You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome to episode 38 of Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind in existence. Let's give a shout out real quick to our parent company, Sick Biz Incorporated, for providing Hacks Hope resources and support to chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and allowing us to continue this amazing podcast that we have so much fun doing. A quick shout out to J-Hill Marketing and Creative Services for backing up our mission to do more and provide the best value possible to our very special community. Thank you. Today's guest is a treat. Last week, we had on Todd Holland, who is certified in Transcendental Meditation, and we talked about the differences in meditation style and what each can help you to accomplish. We could not wait to bring him back. And today, he is going to help you wade a little bit deeper into learning Transcendental Meditation on your own. You'll want to tune in so you can help to discover your mantra, which is very mysterious, and something only you will be able to repeat in your head. He was told he couldn't even say it out loud. Will we debunk that myth? You must stay tuned. We are very grateful for Todd for taking time out of his day to help us move through our tension and stress in a mindful and meaningful way and to give us the tools we need to keep moving forward in our meditation habit. Without further ado, let's give Todd Holland a wonderful welcome back to the studio. Todd Holland, take two. You're back. I'm back. How are you, Hillary? I'm awesome. How are you? It is a beautiful day in California. I cannot complain. I'm excited for today. I'll tell you that. Oh my gosh. And you know, and we were just talking right before, and you are in the land of avocados and wine. That actually exists, believe it or not. I didn't make that up as like an 80s band name. I totally do live near Temecula, which is where California gets its super strong white wine and its super delicious avocados. So rest of California, you're welcome. I'll keep doing my duty. <laughs> yes, seriously. <laughs> it's kind of like the updated version of the land of milk and honey. Serious. Yes. Like what would you land. prefer? Milk and um, honey? or? <laughs> I mean, seriously, I am almost ready to hop on a plane. That is just like my dream right there. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. Uh, so last time you were here, we dipped our toe into the water of transcendental meditation and started to get some of the basics down of what people need to know, the different styles of meditation and what can be accomplished. And, and I think it's really important that we talk about these differences. I think we should give a recap on that very quickly. So we do want to push people to watch that or to see that other episode, hear that other episode, use a sense of some sort in your body to <laughs> smell <enjoy>. it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Smell the other episode, whatever you have to do. But we do, I mean, we obviously want you to listen to it too. And these two are um, kind of a package deal, but we'll give you a, a little bit of a lowdown on what the difference is in styles are because I think it's um, when people learn about this, it's a little surprising what the different rules and kind of applications are behind each style of meditation. 
Right, Hillary, and it's so important the way that you said that too, is that you know there are so many different ways to get to where we want to go, which is like I mentioned in the last video, it's that that ocean, right, of, of consciousness, of bliss, of creativity, of peace, resolve, all those different things that exist within each and every one of us, as cheesy as that may sound. Every form of meditation is just another way to get there. So ours is a little bit different in the way that you know the other ones have rules. So there's two other main Vedic disciplines. And I'm, I'm going to say a bunch of like corny sounding words, but Vedic discipline just means uh, has to do with consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. So mindfulness is a very popular one. Those of you who use the, uh, the Muse um, meditation tool, you practice like a very refined and excellent form of mindfulness. I love mindfulness meditation. It's just not what we're talking about here today. Mindfulness essentially is a mechanism of clearing your head, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so I think that, you know, for entrepreneurs, that's almost a laughable concept of clearing our heads. I mean, we, if we could do that, we wouldn't be listening to me talk about transcendental meditation on a podcast. We'd just be totally Zen. And, and that's, that's not the nature of, of running a business, right? So transcendental meditation is cool. Cool is probably reductive, but it's, it, it's, it's cool in the sense that it doesn't have rules. It doesn't have like a structure to it. You don't really have to, you know, sit with your legs crossed, with your palms up, you know, meditate on that's that's uh that that's a different Vedic discipline. It's focused meditation. That's not what this is. It's mm. almost like you have to do nothing at all. And I'll go more into it there because I know we're gonna have some questions, but that was the main overhaul of 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 yet of I don't want to say yesterday's but the last session we had, right? Was that it's it's much easier and much less labor intensive to get to where we want to go, which is peace than we think it is. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I love it because you can use tools to get there, which is just wonderful because some of us are afraid of the silence and mm. it, it's very, uh, it's very intimidating what, you know, a lot of us stay busy so that we don't have to deal with some things. I find my hands in the air a little bit. Okay. I'm working on it, <laughs> but but this is good because you can you can fill in that silence with a little bit of music and some other things that we're going to talk about today. And you are going to have the reins. So I'm just going to step back and let you do your thing. And like we talked about, I'm going to come in at very awkward moments with questions. <laughs> <laughs> but you can you just you've got the you've got the stage and um, you can take people into more uh, the deeper expression of what it actually means to learn about and to immerse yourself in transcendental meditation. I would love to. Hillary, thank you for the opportunity to do that. And viewers, this is the first and last time you're probably ever going to let me do something like this. So this is going to be a great opportunity because <laughs> this is not going to happen again. Unless I do a great job, guys, because hey, I might just do a great job, right? I might I do a great you, job. You will. <laughs> of course you will. You always do. Well, thank you. So let, let's let's dive right in because I'm sure a lot of people from from again yesterday or the last video that you saw up until right now have been wondering. Okay, so you talked a lot about it. You didn't really give us any details. Do you even know what you're saying? And so I, I ask myself that same question, you know, every single day about many many things. But in this case, the reason I went in such a high level overview is because the way that we have to think about transform meditation is a lot like the way we have to think about any um, new practice. And, and, and it's a practice. It's a habit. It's not, and just to reiterate what this is, it's not a religion. There's no religious component. There's no commitment component to it. There's no, you know, uh, schedule where you have to sit down at this time and, and meditate. What I found since I've been doing uh, TM for uh, on and off you know, five to eight years, realistically five years being very serious about it, 
is that I've never missed a meditation. And that's not by virtue of, you know, having a timer saying, hey, it's time to meditate. You are your timer, right? You are your best doctor when it comes to, you know, understanding your stressors and when it's time to step away and, and, and get in, into your own head. Because we're not talking about getting out of our own head. We're not talking about clearing our heads. That's the beauty of this whole thing. We're talking about getting further and deeper into our own heads, right? So what I want to call today is day one TM, which is, you know, basically our first day doing transcendental meditation. We're going to do a few things. We're going to get our mantra, learn how to get our mantra, learn how to do it. And I'm, I'm going to say do it kind of joking because there's not so much doing as it is just kind of experiencing, right? So learn how to experience it in, in the right way. And I'm going to give you guys some good references on practicing your mantras without paying a transcendental meditation instructor $1,500 for the course. Um, that's one thing that, you know, I, I myself, you know, kind of break away from the mainstream TM because I don't think that you should ever have to pay for self peace. I think that's a little bit ridiculous, right? Just, just, to, just, just to get a sense of how to start, right? So that's everything you're going to get from one of those $1,500 retreats to a very peaceful place in Los Angeles where someone tells you this thing you're going to get, hopefully in some degree on this uh, podcast. So everyone excited? No one's going to answer Woo! that the podcast. I'm going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so this is my favorite day. Whenever I take on a new, a new transcendental meditation student or whenever I'm teaching this to a class, this is my favorite day is day one because we get to talk about it. We get to get in the mindset, but we don't actually do it. Okay, so it, and let me talk about why I, I think that's that's important. It's it's so easy to do this to to meditate that you know a show on doing it would be way too boring. I think it would be like having a podcast on you know how to make your bed in the morning or or you know pour a glass of water or stretch or something like that. I think that it's it's so effortless that to have something dedicated to how to do that, I think would, would be you know certainly a, a silly use of time. It's so much better to understand why it's important to do these things in the context of making your bed, you know, and, and, and stretching when you get up in water um, and developing the right frame, framework and habits. And so that's what I think we're doing now is, is, you know, understanding why we do this, understand the experience that we want to have. And it's, it's very subjective, the best way to get to that experience. And then, you know, developing a framework for c continuity of, of practice, essentially. That's, that's going to be what, what today is all about. Um, and so let's let's kind of dive right in. So you know, I'm I'm going to give my high level overview again of what transcendental meditation is, what it isn't, um, and then you know how it works. And then we're going to get into mantras. And then very shortly after that, we're going to get in, like I said into um, uh, the next stage, which is going to be uh, you know, getting your own information, doing it yourself, and uh, kind of guiding yourself to the meditation. Uh, before I do that, Hillary, do do we want to uh, ask any questions? Kind of lead me in any particular way for this, or what are you thinking? No, I think that we're just hungry for this knowledge right now. So I think just go for it. And, uh, you know, you can treat me like one of your students. If anything crops up, I'm very shy. So obviously I won't say a word. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> what have you done with Hillary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, go for it. You got this. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, great. So the, the best way that I like to describe transcendental meditation is it's a way to expand your consciousness to give the stress in your mind less real estate. And it's important to understand that you're not getting rid of your stressors. You're never going to get rid of your problems. The, I'm, I'm never going to be the person to advocate hiding from your issues, right? Um, in fact, sick biz by definition is, is about, in a sense, taking your own issues on head on with bravery, with pride and with, with you know, dignity and all these beautiful things. And so this is exactly the same thing, just a di again, different 
vehicle. Because what we're looking at doing is we're looking to expand our consciousness. The way to expand our consciousness is essentially by realizing something uh, that's very interesting. I'm going to give a very brief history lesson. Again, you, you gave me free reign, so I told you to be a mistake, but I think this is actually a very, very <laughs> cool, very cool thing that people who are into this kind of thing are going to you know, kind of drop their jaws at. 5,000 years ago, there was a tradition of, of, of yogiism in uh, what is now India, the you know, Hindu tribes and things like that. That was the big thing. Uh, it predated uh, Buddhism, predated everything else. And the, the cornerstone of all of that was was Vedism or Vedic discipline. And Vedic, again, is a term for consciousness, so discipline of the consciousness. One of the most meaningful books or, or ancient texts, it's not a book, it's, it's, an, it's an ancient writing uh, that I know of, is the Upanishads. Uh, you guys probably know many quotes from the Upanishads like, uh, so you know, as above, so below. That, that's a popular one from the Upanishads. Um, a couple of ones about the minds. I know thyself. Um, that's all the Upanishads. Uh, the, the Upanishads takes the, the definition of the self, as they call it, the Atma, and, and turns it on its head. They, they believe that there is a unified self between all not just humans, but all matter, all electricity between that matter, all the bonds between that matter that actually, you know, cohesively hold our our civilization, our lives together uh, in, in anatomical sense. Uh, that it all comes from the same place, right? That's that's the, the the basis behind that. So when you meditate, the idea was way back then that you would kind of you know absorb yourself into your yourself or the greater self or the greater you know pool of consciousness and ideas and bliss that every human being shares all you know the source of all human creativity the source of all human idealism everything the good bad and the ugly all comes from one place that's that's what the vedic disciplines argue now fast forward 5000 years to the future into the 1970s and really the 1960s so quantum physics is a branch of science that looks at you know, the study of very, very small particles in, in physics. Now, the, what we knew before was that, when, you know, you have a, a body and then you have, you know, uh, organs, then you have tissue and then you have cells, which are made of molecules, which are made of atoms, right? And then when you split an atom, you know, they, they thought that was it. They thought that was the smallest thing that was out there. And then shortly thereafter, you split an atom and you have electrons and protons and neutrons. I promise this gets interesting very soon. And, uh, <laughs> and then what they, what they found out is that they, they split the electron in half. And what they're able to find is that the, uh, the, the quark, the thing that's in the smallest unit of measurement isn't something observable, right? It, it's something that, and they concluded this too, comes from somewhere else, a source of all other matter and all other electricity that bonds that matter. And what quantum physicists call this is the unified field. And the unified field is exactly what the Vedic disciplines were talking about 5,000 years ago with the self, which is the idea that all mind and all matter, because mind is just electricity. Your soul, if anything, is electric current running through your body because it's not the actual organs themselves, right? That all mind and all matter come from the same place. Electricity is the foundation in a certain way of carbon, of, of everything we have. So the idea is that if, if we can expand our consciousness, if we can travel in some way into ourselves, and that sounds kind of cheesy in, in, a, in a theoretical sense, into ourselves to be able to tap into this, this ocean, right? This, this everythingness, this everything and this and nothingness where everything comes from, then what we're looking for, the ideas that we're trying to hook on. I like to think of, of meditation, the best analogy is you're on a rowboat um, paddling out into the middle of a very, very large and still lake. 
right? So you're starting at the shore where all of your problems are and everything that, you know, kind of weighs down on your, on your shoulders and dragging that boat off the shore is very difficult because there's dirt and there's grime underneath the boat and you have to kind of with your oars, drag yourself out there if you can visualize it. Mm -hmm. But as you get further and further out, there's less resistance and it becomes easier and each deliberate stroke of that oar, which we'll talk about what that represents, and that's your mantra at the end of the day is, is a recitation of your mantra. But each deliberate stroke of that oar takes you further and further out into the center of that ocean or pool or lake or whatever. And at the center of that lake, what you're always trying to do, you're always trying to catch a fish. Okay. And, and there's many, many, many different kinds of fishes in this lake because this lake is remember the, the analog for everything that's out there and the ideas that you'll get the ideas that'll help you calm yourself uh, the, uh, reduce your stress increase your creativity will always come to you in abstractions you never I, I'm not sure if anyone's ever gotten the idea for a business or a brilliant product in like business plan format right like you've never like thought about something like oh my god the ROI on that no it's not how that's not how creative <laughs> works <laughs> right uh, Absolutely. It's a, it always starts with some nebulous inspiration kind of streaking into your brain and you go, oh, this is amazing. How the hell am I going to implement it? Right. Exactly. And that's a whole nother can of worms there is actually turning the idea, that little abstraction you get into something real. That's, that's the hard part, but sometimes the fun part too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, you know, going into it and I, I'm not going to spend too much time on, on metaphors and things like that. because I think you guys kind of get the idea and I gave the history lesson of why all of this stuff kind of corroborates, at least in, in my head. And I'm, I'm, you know, a scientific person by nature. So for me, it's great if you tell me it works and, and if you show me people that, you know, have had success with it. But if, if I have some kind of like logical basis for understanding how it works, um, I, I'm, I'm all the better. And when I first got started in, in meditating, I had no interest in it whatsoever. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of foolish to spend your time sitting around chanting something or listening to someone chant at you. And you know, whatever, whatever I, my misconception was, I had no interest whatsoever. Now moving forward, as I said, I haven't missed a, a meditation session in about five years. So. Wow. Uh, okay. So let's pause on that because yeah. I want to ask you, about who you were five years ago and who mm-hmm. you are now? Um, well, you're always you, right? You're, you're just mm-hmm. plus and minus certain things. Um, I, I was very angry five years ago. That was, what? That was my- liar pants on fire (laughs) i was asked asked my ex at that at that time that poor lady like i never i never took anything out on her but just like the my demeanor and just the way i you know approach things and i was always kind of like ready to fight with someone and and you know it it was just it was just uh sad you know looking back at it to go that long you know without realizing there's something wrong you know it's 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 sad and fast forward to today so actually you know, if I can, you know, further answer your question there, just, just the benefits of it. Um, two weeks after I started, I was living with my girlfriend at the time and, you know, we, we always fought every, you know, like, like couples do, we fought more than usual. Um, you know, two weeks after I started, she asked me something and she said, what happened? And then I, I, you know, I paused and I said, what do you mean? And she's, you know, kind of said the anger, you know, where did it go? Like, you know, and rightfully so, because I, you know, obviously that had changed and I didn't know how to answer it. I didn't know anything had changed. I didn't know my anger disappeared. And that's the beauty of, of, of transcendental meditation to begin with is that it's not, you know, it's not some overarching change. You're not going to walk out a different human being. You're still you and you're not even going to know that you changed, but the peace will be there. 
or rather the things that were that were pr- prohibiting the peace won't be there and that's the important part of it and and it's not that you know you become less like you know being becoming a less angry person doesn't mean you you grow as a person you lose the things that make you angry it's like van gogh they say van gogh is one of the most you know talented painters and i believe that and a lot of people attribute his talent to his uh level of pain that he was feeling and and i disagree with that mm-hmm. you know I, I think that i think painting was probably one of the things that he actually enjoyed and and the love he had for painting was why that creativity came out. The love is the most important part. It's not the pain. It's not what you've been through. It's not any of that stuff. It's the love that you can hold on to. That's what causes the bliss. I mean, if you love an idea, you'll obsess over that idea. If you love a business, if you love what you're doing with sick biz, there's nothing else in the world but sick biz. And that's the beauty of, of what this is. It's not ever changing who you are. It's finding who you love and what you love simply by looking within. And the best way to do that is by using a mantra. Now that's the best that's the best transition I've ever done in my entire life to a different subject. You can wait that <laughs> me later. That wasn't even smooth. I was just like, okay, let's that do this. That seriously, that was like a newly paved road smooth. That was like just rolling on in. That was amazing. But you know, I want to impart too because I picked up on this when you were talking. Sometimes you can feel like I need to change something in my life but I don't know what it is or I'm, or I'm agitated or, or how I'm reacting to people is not the way that I want to react to people. So you don't even need to identify if you're angry or sad or suspicious or whatever personality trait you're struggling with. You can just simply feel off, engage in meditation and get the peace that you're looking for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. That That's amazing. That's like, and this is so important, I think, for chronically ill people. And I swear to God, I'm going to give you back the stage in a minute. This is so. <laughs> Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it. Um, it's so important. So many people are suffering. And I'm going to throw a statistic out there. Today, I was on a different podcast today, the Princess Power Hour. And it was very cool because I felt like a princess. Um, and and it was amazing because uh, we talked about the statistic. In 2015, the CDC conducted a survey that found that half of Americans are chronically ill. Now, I don't know if we're talking about diagnostics either because you may not be diagnosed for a very long time. And you might just be, you might know, well, I can't work for someone else. I have to work at home now and I need to, you know, reinvent myself and all these things. So knowing, it feels like it's part and parcel. Being chronically ill, maybe not having that diagnosis and knowing you can do something without even having to identify what is wrong and that you will become more you. It's like you 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you said that so beautifully. I, just, I don't even have a, a, a follow up to that. That's exactly right. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not that you change and it's not that you have to pinpoint what's wrong with you because I, I mean, with certain things, it, it's very easy to tell what's wrong with us. Uh, if, if my, my foot turns black, I, I can probably assume there's something wrong with my foot. I, I'm not a doctor, but I can at least know myself enough to know that it was, you know, not discolored the day before. 
but internal things and a lot of the things that that, that come out with uh, like like neuropathy cert, certain you know um, uh, con- conditions of anxiety of, of, of you know bipolar and the high end schizophrenia and, and and all these different things it's like it's, it's often so hard to, to put a label on it and and oftentimes the label doesn't fit because everyone's experience is a little bit different like my experience with anxiety is different than anybody else's experience with anxiety but they call it anxiety because traditionally it was the benzodiazepam that uh, like like would would calm it down. So they they diagnosed me based on the treatment, which is you know so backwards. I don't even want to get into that right now. But you know that that's exactly the point is that you know even if you are diagnosed, it, the, the diagnosis isn't always right, guys. And it's not always pinpoint onto what you are. And it's not always you, you can't fit you know Hillary Jastrom in a nutshell of a two word diagnosis, and that's just not going to work. So the idea is that you know their your anxieties will never leave you right? Um, they'll, they'll, they'll never go. Your problems will never leave. You'll never be able to hide from, from that, which, which crawls on your shoulders, you know, metaphorically speaking. Um, but you can give those problems less real estate. Now, like I said, just as another analogy, if you live on the shore with your problems in your boat, then you live among your problems. You know, nothing else, but if you get in that boat and like I said, you, you, you try rolling a boat off like a rocky shore, you're going to be hurting you know, for a little bit, because it's not an easy experience, like with any exercise, right? Once you get out there, you've got this huge lake with the shore expanding, you know, 360 degrees around you. Yes, your problems are over there on that far shore, but look how much more room you have for other things that are not your problems, right? And and, and that's, again, just a, a, a metaphorical way. And I'm not even sure if it's a good metaphor, I just came up with it. So it could be like, I'm going to listen to this three hours later. It's like, that sounded like ridiculous. But- <laughs> no, no, because you are backed up by history and I'm going to prove it to you right now okay okay do you remember the movie what about Bob (laughs) when did it come out oh my god we're totally gonna link to this I'm serious (laughs) this is the best thing this is one of my favorite movies this movie came out maybe early 2000 it's Bill Murray Richard Dreyfuss and uh Bill Murray is an anxiety ridden person. So he, you know, he has all sorts of different fears about things. He can't take the elevator. So he's got to walk the 42 flights of stairs up to, um, you know, Dr. Leo's office. And, and so Dr. Leo's going on vacation. I swear to God, I'm not going to give like the whole synopsis of the movie, but he's going (laughs) in scene one. No. (laughs) (laughs) So he's going on vacation. And, and he was referred Bob because Bob is very needy. So the gist of it is, and this is what you just explained, is that he tells Bob, you need to take a vacation from your problems. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I love it because I think that's what meditation is. When you live among your problems, you absolutely cannot escape from them. And when you are in the midst of your problems, you cannot ideate, you cannot innovate, you cannot move out of the shadow. Your perspective is severely hampered. So I think it's super important that we get into the habit of this self-care and doing this for ourselves. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, David Lynch actually refers to that, that, that constrained feeling as David Lynch would as the, the stinking rubber clown suit of despair. 
Um, <laughs> so. I can smell it. That's one of the worst smells in the world, by the way. <laughs> a rubber clown? Yeah, yeah. Well, just uh, and like I, rubber. Like rubber. Just yeah. rubber, you know. Yeah. Well, new car smell is good. I know there's a little bit of rubber in the car, but that's amassed among leather and spray. But yeah, rubber is gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I oh. love it. Well. So, getting back to... We're drifting out into the ocean. We are taking a respite from our problems. You can probably hear my dogs in the background not taking a respite from their problems <laughs> at all. And they're just going to keep on going. And that's all right, because now y'all know what I live with every damn day. Quiet! <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> this will be the most entertaining uh, podcast ever people will be like oh my god she just loses her shit at, at you know turn into a biopic toward the end there <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's crazy but anyways we'll continue on with the dog barking and then he'll uh, he'll shut his up in a minute um, so this is important it's important especially because when you are and I like to phrase this in the way to help our audience members the most who are people um, who are contending with chronic illness and or disability. This even counts if, um, that sounded so stupid when I said this, it includes people going through um, short-term treatment for cancer um, in, in any sense of the word, even if you haven't received your diagnosis yet. And, and like you said, Todd, the diagnosis is not the end-all be-all. Yes, it feels good to have some validation, but we also have to be advocates for ourselves. Make sure that diagnosis fits and make sure, even if the diagnosis does fit, to know that we have physiological differences and how our body produces and how our body gets through stress and processes things. So it's super important. But meditation in particular, if you are working as a chronically ill or disabled entrepreneur, can take you out of that reality for a moment. And so for people who have been fearing trying meditation, it actually might be alleviating. And that became apparent when you use the analogy that you did of taking those oars and digging them into the rock and the sand and then being free. You're free. You're free to float you give yourself that permission. And this is a huge message from the universe this week. Um, Self-care is mandatory. It's not, um, it's not something that's optional. And we need to learn to take care of all facets of our body. And we need to give ourselves a break, not only to give ourselves permission to do that, but because when we do, we know we're caring for ourselves and that message is that we're important and we matter and we love ourselves. Beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a, um, my husband and I had a massage this weekend. It's the hardest massage I've ever had. I actually have uh, like four bruises on my leg, but I don't even care because <laughs> I've never, <laughs> I'd never had a full body massage. And, um, it's important. It's important. We have 600 muscles in our wow. body. 
Yeah, 600 muscles. We focus on chiropractic care and things like that, and they spring up all over the place. And then we say, oh, you know what? Well, this is, this is pampering for me to get a massage. It's pampering. I don't think it's pampering. I think with 600 muscles powering your body every day, that's it. It's necessary. Oh, sure. I mean, you, you get an oil change at 3,000 miles on the dot, but you go seven years without having someone give, you know, give a massage. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I, I agree 100%. Um, 100%. Yeah, that's, and, and self-care is mandatory. Uh, self-help is mandatory, yeah. Self-help is mandatory. So let's talk about the mantra. Now, you talked about that a little bit. If we're not working with an expert... Because you were given your mantra, it was whispered to you, and then you were told to never speak it again, right? Yeah, it was a really theatrical thing. Um, I went in there, I sat down, uh, that she asked me a few questions about you know, my life, my age, where I was born, and uh, she, she said, okay, you know, lean forward, and she leaned forward, and she whispered something, and I'm, I'm going to tell you guys my mantra is, because <gasps> I'm, I'm, it's, you it's, can't. It's, I thought you were sworn... Well, and, and, and here, and here's the thing, when you look at it, it's, it's almost, I'll, I'll show you what I mean in a minute when we get into it, but I, I can, I can tell you my mantra because it's really not as, and it, the, the mysticism around TM has to get lifted because that's what's scaring people away from, from doing it is all that hocus pocus side of it. My mom, my mantra is she ring. Okay? okay. So she ring is a mantra given to all men between ages of 15 to 30 who were born in the Western Hemisphere, okay? Oh. So, you know, I have the same mantra as many of our viewers if, if they're in the 15 to 30 range. I'm 28 years old, so in two years I have to go and, and get myself a new mantra, whisper it in my ear theatrically and never be repeated again except on this broadcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine my frustration, not my frustration, kind of, kind of my amusement, um, right. That I, I, you know, paid $1,500 to go and, and sit down, listen to someone tell me what my mantra was and, you know, recite it to me and put me in that trance. And it was a beautiful thing. And I'm so glad I did it because it was the gateway in, but I found this website called selfhelprobot.com. And I'm happy to share that with everybody at, you know, at the end of this thing, it's not my website, no affiliation with them. It's the best resource on everything. So I've, I actually look there and 51 mantras you can practice today is, is one of their pages and I scroll down to my age and I scroll down to where I was born and lo and behold, she ring was the number one there. There were three other ones that were possible, but that was the one. So, you know, the idea, and I'm trying to make it so easy that, you know, it, it's, it doesn't have to be a mystical thing because it's not, a, it's not a mystical thing. It's not mysticism. It, it really is just putting yourself in a trance. And so the way to do this essentially is, is to go on to selfhelprobot.com or, or, or you know, pay the, the piper, but you know, no, please go to selfhelprobot.com um, and, and find your mantra uh, based on, on your age and on these different things. And there's three or four different ones you can try. And they have videos, a YouTube video of the guy himself doing the Vedic pronunciation of the mantra, which is just chanting it over and over. So you can pick the one that, that resonates most with you, that puts you in the most relaxed position. Um, just as an, as a point of curiosity, I have two mantras I use. One is Shiring because of my age. The other one is Shiama, and Shiama is a mantra given to uh, older women, um, not older women, but women fifty and and and, and above. You know, so uh, that's that's what their classification is. And so the reason I use that one, TMI, maybe I have a thyroid condition that I found that I had about two years ago, 
and the thyroid condition that I have is one normally born by women who, you know, in their 40s and, and getting a little bit older, hypothyroidism. It's not something young men have. And in fact, this doctor this is the first case we've ever seen someone, you know, you're this young and a male having this thing. So as a joke, I, I, I tried to meditate to Shiama, which was the, 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 the mantra for older women. And that actually has some effect on me. So I think that has to do with where you are. And the point of all this is, is your mantra doesn't matter. Okay. Picking your mantra is very important. Finding the right one for you that can put you in that trance is very important. But the mantra itself is nonsense, um, especially in the Western hemisphere. Like we're, we don't even speak, you know, the, the, the Eastern languages here. So they mean nothing to us and they should mean nothing to us. In my theory, it's not about what we're repeating to ourselves. It's about the thought, vibration, pronunciation. I, I want to emphasize thought, vibration, pronunciation of this mantra. And so what's most effective is instead of us sitting there reciting it, because that's focus-based meditation, is to put on one of these videos, slow it down to maybe three-quarter speed, and have that play for 20 minutes while we pronounce the mantra that we hear. And I can put one on so you guys can hear what I mean when I say it, is we can pronounce it in our heads. And it's very important to pronounce it in our heads and not speak it. Because when you pronounce it in your head and you're using the thought, vibration, pronunciation principle of like, okay, for example when you say she ring, like just try saying it like she ring, like what's vibrating, like your head, right? She it's like, it's cerebral, ring. right? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas when you go she, ah, uh, ma, it's, you know, it's cerebral and then it's your gut and then it's your chest and it's she, ah, uh, ma. So whatever the word would make you vibrate, you have to focus on making and, and feeling and sensing that part of your body when you hear that part of the world. You want to feel the word, sorry. You want to feel that vibration. The reason you want to feel that vibration is because you, what you're doing in that sense is you're, is you're becoming aware of the electricity coursing between the matter of your body. Remember, matter and mind comes from the same place, like I said. So as you feel that vibration, as you feel yourself kind of shaking a little bit or getting your heart rate kind of goes up, it, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. But you have to kind of bear down and, and embrace that feeling because that feeling is really what we're looking for here. And as we focus on that, as we kind of focus on, you know, for me, it's she, she, you know, over and over as you focus on that and you kind of drift off into your own little world. And as you start, your mind starts to wander on your day, come back to the word and start to say the word again over and over in your head and do this for 20 minutes at a time, two times every day. Um, and I, you know, I, I can't, you know, say that, you know, after the first time you do it, you'll feel like a changed person. I can't say that, you know, you know, anything like that. What I can say is that after two weeks of committing to it on my own time, and believe me, after the first two or three times I did it, it felt really, really good. I didn't want to do anything else. So like I was totally, I was waiting for my meditations. I wasn't like, oh, I, do I have 20 minutes? I was like, I was portioning that time out in my day. So you, you know, you, you, you go through it for you know, it, it took my ex two weeks to notice until I was less angry. So we'll go by that, <laughs> by that benchmark. Um, but you, you'll, you'll, people will notice like a, a change in your voice. They'll notice them a piece when you talk, um, and you won't notice a thing. And, and that's one of those things. You're still probably going to feel some degree of your anxiety. Um, or, or I, I use anxiety because I have anxiety, but there's so many more things that this applies to, like, like Hillary mentioned, it, it even applies to like palliative treatment with cancer and things like that. Uh, my mom actually, she's, she's going through it herself and she, we're, we're doing 
very intensive med- meditation, you know, therapy with mm-hmm. her and it's helping tremendously. Um, so, you know, I, I, I can't stress enough how easy it is. And again, the practice here, just, just to give, and this is why I didn't talk about how to do it in the beginning. I waited to the end because it's like, this is how you make your bed. Sheet one, sheet two, blanket, right? This is how you do it. You find your mantra. You, you have like a nice headphones or nice dark room if you want, or you, if, if you want to just do it with, with music in the background with that too, that's fine or whatever. But just have that mantra going long enough so you know what it sounds like. And then you can turn it off. You don't have to have it. You can turn your music back on, whatever. But just keep repeating that mantra in your head, not focusing on the word itself. Because again, it's, it's nonsense. And there's someone here who speaks Mandarin Chinese like, hey, buddy, that's not nonsense at all. I realize it's not nonsense. I'm not saying Mandarin Chinese is nonsense. I'm just saying the word itself should be meaningless to us. It should be the vibration brought on from the word and focusing on that puts us in that trance. It gets us out into that ocean. Each time you hear she ring, you repeat it in your head. That's like you stroking that oar to go further out. And, you know, once you're out there, you, you, you wake up, you come out, you know, 20 minutes later and it's like you, you have so much more awareness, so much more consciousness. You know, it's almost like if you have like this golf ball sized consciousness to begin with, and that's all of your anxieties and fears and and everything is all condensed in that one golf ball, you know, there's a lot of pressure there. And as you expand that golf ball, now it's a, now it's a watermelon, now it's a bowling ball. Now it's like a beach ball, right? You make that consciousness bigger and bigger by, you know, committing and focusing on the meditation. Yeah. You, you've probably still got like eight or nine major stressors in there, but there's stressors bouncing, you know, in one of those giant bouncy cancels, as opposed to being, you know, consolidated into a ping pong ball, it's much less pressure. And because we as business owners have the capacity to handle great amounts of pressure, we have a choice. Once we have that extra room, we can either fill it with more anxiety and, you know, go back to, you know, feeling the way that we did, or we can fill it with things that we love, things that give us bliss. Uh, for me, it's, it, you know, Hillary, you know, this, I'm talking about writing books that I never actually will. And <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> I actually, we'll talk yes. about this. I, I wrote three pages down, like, like four pages. That's more than I've ever written in one sitting. Um, but Yes. Right. Um, so, <laughs> so you're, so guys, if you didn't know, Hillary's actually a very motivating person. Um, I, I, she, I'll leave it at that, but she, she certainly is, um, a motivating person, but yeah, that's, that, that, that's it in a nutshell. You want to, you want to find time during each day to listen to these meditations to kind of just zone yourself out a little bit. And again, the reason I talk so much about that other stuff and the history and all that different, you know, all these other things is because I want you to understand the context of why you're doing it, the benefit of what you're doing on a physiological level, on a spiritual level, and then on a practical level of, you know, okay, how do I actually go about doing this? And is it worth my time? Um, short answer to the, to the latter question, is it worth your time? Again, no interest in meditation whatsoever in my life. And now I'm here talking about it, hoping other people will just listen and just give it a shot. So definitely worth a shot. That's fantastic. Now, um, if I'm going to say something in my head, like you're saying, she ring, right? You're, you're actually, if I say it first, then I feel like I can get in tune with the vibration mm-hmm. and how that's going to sound. Do we need to say it out loud first? And if then helps. if it, Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. there's no there's no hard and fast rules. I mean, you you can you can say it backwards too if if you if it helps. The idea is that 
if you're that good. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of times what, you know, what helps is to, is to have it repeating and then listen to it like five or six times and then say it yourself like five or six times and then just go back to listening to it and just like, you know, doing the thought vibration pronunciation method. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Oh, wow. So a lot to take in. (laughs) This is an episode for people in conjunction with the first one that you did. You really could combine these two episodes together and put in transcendental meditation as a a practice for yourself. You, You really could get into it from this perspective. So I'm so glad you came back and You've shared more with people about how to get started and your personal story. That was very powerful. Very powerful, Todd. Thank you. Hillary, thank you so much for having me on. This is the best podcast out there. (laughs) Meditation is an art that is not often embraced or even understood. As most of you know, I am a person who pays attention to what the universe is trying to teach us on a daily basis. The latest message that I have been receiving is one about spreading the message on the importance of self-care. Self-care denotes two things as we apply it in our lives. One is that we obviously need to take care of ourselves so that we can attend to our responsibilities and even the joys in our life when we are fully present, being fully present. And this includes caring for other people. Two is that there is a message we receive when we avail ourselves of taking care of ourselves. We tell ourselves that we are worthy of time. We are worthy of happiness. We, in fact, even acknowledge our responsibilities as being important. And this is especially true for stay-at-home parents who too often minimize what they're doing as being unimportant since they're just quote-unquote raising children, and nothing could be further from the truth. Transcendental meditation is an easier way to slide into a meditative state, simply because you can use tools that help you get there. You'll be using some visualization, you'll be using some breath control and vibration, as well as some mantras that you'll speak to get you centered. And it is customized, which is important for people to know. You can do it wherever you are. You don't need to go to any special yoga class at your local gym, for example. Once you have the tools yourself, you can immerse yourself in transcendental meditation wherever you happen to be. We want to say thanks so much to Todd Holland for being on today. And if you'd like to get in touch with him, you can reach him at Todd, T-O-D at Lumenwood, L-U-M-E-N-W-O-O-D, group.com. And that information will be available on sickbiz.com as well. Did you like what you heard? Please listen, subscribe, share, and leave a review for Sick Biz Buzz wherever podcasts are available. Make sure you check out our website, sickbiz.com, to ingest the contents and life and business hacks of all the hope you could possibly want from 20-plus guest bloggers, including life and business coaches and chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs just like you. And I want to even extend this to remote workers who need to find support. Finally, you can text SICKBIZ to 36260 and receive our resources right into the palm of your hot little hand on your phone. 
You can listen to the podcast. You can scroll through the blog post, even learn all about the job board, which we are very proud of because it enables you to apply for opportunities where you can earn an actual living wage. That's it for today's Sick Biz Buzz show. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.